Welcome back to Following Note on a Stormlight Podcast. This week's episode 175, and we're going through chapters 17 through 24 of The Hero of Ages. Paul, how are you? Magnificent. Excited. All of the above. Elliot? 175. That feels like a like a milestone. We are... We're on our way to, to 200. That, feel, that feels like a ridiculously high number. This is this has been good times. Indeed. We will be, we'll be hitting episode 200 somewhere in the middle of Mistborn Era 2. I don't know exactly where it'll fall, but it'll be right about Mistborn Era 2. Yeah, like tw- maybe towards the second half of Mistborn Era 2. Paul, do we have another patron this week? Absolutely, we do, Trevor. I'm excited. Again, once again, we have another surgeon and someone who's um, just been super, super kind to us, and 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 uh, we're always thankful for support. And so, I want to give a big shout out this week to Drumroll, uh, Chris. Um, Chris here. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't uh, have. He's new, uh, the new new kid on the block, if you will. You know, our our newest surgeon, um, but we're super grateful to have him here um, and thankful for his support. Um, Chris, if you're listening, we really appreciate the the kind message that you wrote to us um, as well, and just uh, your your encouragement. It, it goes a long way, and it really means a lot. Um, and like I've said before, it's just super fun to just get the opportunity to to talk and, and hear from other Cosmere fans and other fantasy fans, you know, it's just a ton of fun um, and super exciting. So we really appreciate your support and everything. So cheers, cheers to Chris. When Chris jumped into our discord, maybe a month ago at this point, he messaged me a couple times. We messaged back and forth he is very excited for us to cover Secret Project 4. We were talking about Secret Project 4, mm. him and I, for a while. So there's a little teaser nice. teaser for you for when we get to cover that on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'll have to wait a little bit for Secret Project 4, but I can't wait either to read that. So I feel like Stormlight 5 will be looming over our heads as we're reading Secret Project 4. So I know it's going to be daunting. Let's roll intro, and then we'll get a chapter summary from Elliot. When you're ready, Elliot. Okie doke. Chapter 17 through 24, which is a whole bunch of chapters, but a lot of them were really short. Yeah. Some of them even like two or three pages in, in my copy. But it starts out with Captain Demu getting uh, sick by the by the mist, but recovering. And Ellen still trying to figure out how to navigate the, the mists with his with his army and uh, figure out what they need to do. Sazed goes and visits some of the Terrace people who are apparently living next to the pits of Hathsin. And this is skipping ahead a little bit, but one of the later chapters, 
Sezid is, you know, kind of arguing with some of the terrorists. They're trying to get him to become their leader, and he's adamant that he that he doesn't want to want to become the leader. We do get uh, a couple of perspectives with Spook again, with a rather shocking reveal potentially that I really want to talk to you about. Spook hears a voice, which we're used to people hearing voices at this point, mm-hmm. but the voice turns out to be Kelsier. Yeah. What the what the heck is going on there? Uh, let's see. More with Tensoon. We keep dropping in on him. He's got a friend, M- Milan, I'm assuming is how you would say that. Mm-hmm. Milan is his friend. Tensoon is kind of trying to decide whether he wants to escape, whether he should escape, whether he's accomplishing what he's intending to be accomplishing here. And yeah, we got a spook flashback towards the, the end of this, which we'll definitely talk about here in a second. And I think that covers everything. Besides the 11th medal, the the novella, like one chapter in length, 11th medal, which we, we read, but we never actually covered on the podcast. Have we ever gotten a flashback? Not that I can remember. Does Kelsier do any with like Mare? He just talks about it, right? Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen Mare talk on page i think that spook in the hero of ages might be our first flashback chapter in mistborn which is kind of strange to think about i i feel like we've had minor moments but not a flashback chapter you know like i feel like we've had moments of Ven thinking back about like reen her brother or things like that but not not like a full flashback i think you're right and you could maybe count the logbook because the logbook is in first person and there's dialogue in it. So you could you could maybe count that as like a flashback, but I think like Stormlight style interlude flashback, like this is our first um our first one. Let's let's talk about Ellen and Vin first though, because there is a fascinating, fascinating fact that they come to the conclusion here. I had no memory of this reading this chapter so when i got to here i was interested on what is going on here elliot vin makes the conclusion that no matter how many or who you send out into the mists together exactly 16 percent of them will get the mist sickness now how many like recover from the mist sickness is variance. Like there isn't an exact percentage. Some will die, some will not. And that doesn't have an exact science to it. But exactly 16% of whoever you send out into the mists will get mist sickness. What do you think of that? I I like math, so and statistics. So I was I was keyed in on that for sure. I wasn't sure if I had enough information to really draw any mind-shattering revelations from that, the mist kills exactly 16%. I think what I do with that information is conclude that it's it's an intentional act of something. Okay. And the, the, the obvious something would be ruin, right? Ruin's out at large. Ruin is doing ruinous things. Killing 16% seems like a rather ruined thing to do. And I think just leads me to conclude that, and I think one of the epigraphs actually talks about this a little bit. 
I think it leads me to conclude that Ruin is methodical. Ruin is not random. Ruin is the intentional increase of decay, not necessarily like a chaotic destruction, but more the dismantling of something in a methodical way. And why 16%? No clue. But apparently that's what Ruin has decided that I am going to strike down 16% of people who walk into my mist. I think it's really interesting that the death number is not consistent, but the, the, the sickness number is exact. And it's not like there's a preset 16% of people of the entire population of Scadrial will get it. No, it's 16% of the people that you send out and that you record. Which begs the question, could you not just send people out in pairs and no one would ever get sick? Because there's you can't 16% two people? That's what Great I Great question. Well, Great you question. could only have like two at a time, like ever in the whole mist, right? Because I assume this isn't just like per one little area. It's it's however many. That, I don't know. Like, it's 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 very strange that because it's exact. Recent, like, I feel like you could get yeah, around it, this. It gets a little messy. Yeah, that's a neat. That's an interesting point. I didn't think of it. I was thinking of it almost. I mean, I knew this wasn't the case. I knew it wasn't this extreme. But I think of it as, you know, it, it's not like a sixteen percent population reduction. Right. It's like. 16% of your big group that's out in the mist won't come back, you know? It's weird. It's odd. And I don't have... Yeah, there's, like, no reasoning to why why that, why that number. Just a, a potential theory I could come up with of at least why 16 don't die would be potentially this is ruin. Ruin has decided for whatever reason that 16% is the amount of people it wants to attack. And so Ruin affects 16%, but then preservation comes into the equation. Preservation okay. acts against Ruin and works to save those people that have been attacked, works to preserve those people that have been attacked by Ruin, but is only successful at most of them and not all. And preservation is not quite as methodical, maybe, as ruin. So ruin attacks exactly 16. Preservation saves most of them, but is a little more randomly spread out statistically. Interesting. Okay. Are there any more repercussions we can get from this? Can you, like, could you reliably kill 16% of the Inquisitors or something like that? I mean, if we're talking about this as ruin, then... It killing Inquisitors seems unlikely, but right. Coloss does it affect Coloss? I don't know. And speaking of who it doesn't affect, jumping down a couple chapters, it doesn't affect Terrasmen or people from Terrace. Yeah, odd. What's up with that? And it, and if you take if you ask that question in the context of like everything we just said there, that definitely throws a wrench into what's going on here. What what's so different about the Terrace? Why would, if this is ruin, if, if this is an intentional act of ruin, which I guess is still an assumption at this point, why, why not the terrace? And the, on, the only way, the, the only thing that I can come up with is maybe the Lord Ruler gave them an immunity on his Ascension no. Day. 
But the Lord Ruler also like tried to exterminate them all with their ferrochemy. Like yeah. so that is kind of counterproductive. I don't know what that means. So but that's the only thing that I can think of that the terrorists people would have an advantage over is the Lord Ruler was terrorists, so maybe the Lord Ruler hard coded them against the mist or something? I don't know. And correct correct me here. Not all Terrasmen are ferrochemists. Correct. Just some. Correct. Or but, one. I but guess, you can know of. But you can breed ferrochemy like you can breed allomancy. Right. Um, and so it's it's pretty much all in the terrorist people, and they've been preserving it through that, or tried to. So maybe there's something that has to do with the bloodline of barochemical powers also gives you some kind of immunity to the mist. Sure. Maybe. What can we what can we do with this information? Wait and read and find yeah. out. <laughs> no, we're supposed to <laughs> we're supposed to theorize, Paul. Um I mean there's like sixteen is a number we see. I don't know if we want to dive into that, but you know, you see the number sixteen around. Uh-huh. We know that we're trying. We know that we're trying to get to sixteen metals on our alimantic table, right? Because there's there's a pie chart of, of fours, and we're missing one. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, we, obviously, sixteen is a liked number on this world, right? And, and there's a bigger implication: Cosmere sixteen, which I, I don't think we should get into. But, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Right. When Sazed visits the pits of Hatsin um, and finds out that the terrorismen aren't affected by the uh, 16% mystickness, he's also, like, again, tried to be convinced to be their, their ruler or their, their king or who, their leader, their chieftain. And Sazed again declines them and says, you guys don't need a monarch. Um, right now, like you guys have been through enough, just sit here and live with your council council of elders, and they disagree with him. The council of elders disagree with him, and say, "No, we need we need one of our own people to rule us." And he says, "Well, the Lord Ruler was Terrace, so let's not go down that path again." What is there anything more to uh, conjure from that conversation? Did you get anything out of that, Elliot? Not not a lot. It seems to be continuing Sazed's development that he's on of he's still he's, he's still a little checked out at this point. He's still reeling from the challenges he's faced in his faith, in his relationship with Tindwill. He, he's not really in the right mindset to be taking on the leadership of an entire people. And yet the rest of the terrorists are... I think just pretty desperate to have someone lead them because they've always had that. And so they they want somebody. Sazed's kind of the only candidate. Sazed's not really at the right place to do it. Yeah, make of that what you will. Yeah, Sazed's in a very interesting spot. Where he, he feels despondent, I think is the word he uses. Of yeah. he, he knows he should care about what's happening around him, but he can't pull himself to do the work. Um. Other people around him need him to do so. 
Should we talk about Spook? Half I think so. Half of our outline has Spook as the first word, so. <laughs> Be, before we do that, one, one quick note, actually, because I think we're going to talk about Spook for a little while. Uh, epigraphs. There, there was one epigraph I wanted to mention. I, we're still getting more information out of the epigraphs, which is which is really nice. I, I'm sure we can spend time maybe dissecting those in in a later episode as we maybe step through a few of those. So I won't get into all of them, but one of them particularly dropped an interesting line that caught my eye. This is the epigraph from chapter 22. Okay, it talks about the Lord Ruler's power his seemingly abnormally large amount of alamancy alamantic power and it specifically compares it to elland but then it says let's see i'll just take it completely out of context the original nine alamancers it makes a reference to he had this power that was the same as every one of the original nine Alamancers. That has me scratching my head. And, and maybe realizing that we haven't been told as much about the origin of Alamancy as I thought. Mm. I, for some reason, and maybe I was jumping to conclusions, thought that the Lord Ruler was the first Alamancy. That was the beginning of Alamancy. Right was Lord Ruler takes on the power of preservation, maybe ingests one of those beads that that Ellen did and becomes Mistborn Alamancer, and then it just passes through his bloodline from that point on. Right. This statement seems to contradict that. The the, the original nine Alamancers. Wait a second, there were nine of them? Who who were the rest? Which who were the other which would imply that there were 10 of those beads ah, at yes. the Wall of Ascension, and they grabbed nine of them. Yeah, I thought of that, too. Nine taken and one missing. Right. That's a classic story right there. Is that a Stormlight spoiler that we're talking about here? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say any other words. That's a, I mean, it's not. A, it, it's a prelude. So go read the prelude to yeah, the Stormlight Archive. Go, re go read the first couple pages. And yeah, find that. Um, maybe not so much a a boiler as maybe like a, a nod or a reference. I mean, yeah, the Wave Kings did come out that very next year, so it would have been written by then. So anyway. another thing to add to that fire that Elliot is building, and it will call it a fire because I don't know what to do with it. It's just kind of taking over my mind and. That's about all I have to say of of like the his the history of that that we don't know anything else about that, and I certainly wish we did. Um, another thing is, you know, we've gotten multiple mentions that the quote Alamancers of old were super strong. Yeah. Like yeah. they like in comparison to Alamancy right now, Alamancers used to be super way more powerful. They talked about how it didn't take a Duralumin push on emotions to take control of a Coloss or a Chondra, any Alamancer that could use that could just take control. Like it, it was way it was easy. You didn't have to use Duralum and you didn't have to have this huge push. You just had to use your your emotional Alamancy, you know? Which is kind of a crazy perspective because we see Duralumin is just reaching another level that you can't actually like 
reach otherwise in a short burst. Um, so I wonder what Duralman would have done back then, you know? It makes me wonder if the Alamantic ability dilutes over time as it as it gets passed from one generation to the next. It's if you're if you're an Alamancer like Elland, who became one because you ingested a nugget of pure Alamancy, whatever you know that exactly is, you get it in its purest form. But then, like every generation that it passes through your bloodline, maybe your descendants have a little bit less, a little bit less. A little bit less, perhaps. Maybe that's why Duralamin was invented, or maybe coded in. Maybe I don't know. It makes me wonder, though. Like Vin is described in the beginning as a more powerful than you think she would be, Mistborn, mm-hmm. which makes me scratch my head a little bit. Like, why did she get a more powerful strain than others? Although I think it's talked about in some of these chapters here that Elend has more like raw power than Vin does. A lot more. Mm-hmm. Vin just Vin just knows how to use it better. Right. That I think it's stated that Elend has more power, but Vin is way more subtle. Like she she can she can craft her art way better than Elend can because she's just been doing it for longer. All right. Let's talk about Spook. And uh I had a uh, epiphany at the end of last episode, which the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced I'm correct. <laughs> and I will never beat the I'm spoiling the story allegations once again, because I genuinely don't remember <laughs> if that's if this is true or not, what we talked about at the end of last episode. But it like it, it did just come to me as a original thought, I think, um, that... Spook may or may not have been hemolurged at the end of last at the end of last episode. This episode, are we just hallucinating the whole thing, or is uh, (laughs) is Kelsier actually here? Well, that was my exact question the first and second time that I read it. This second, no, I actually don't know. It feels about the same same to me. that is an excellent question, Trevor. I would say that he is there, at least in some capacity, like in spirit or something, because he gives direct instructions that Spook, I don't think, would have intuitively known. Right. Maybe he could have known it in the you know unconscious memory of his brain, but like knowing where the metal vial is, stuff like that, makes me think Kelsier's actually here somehow, you know? Well, here, here's my hesitation, though. Something seems to be here. Okay. Hmm. Calling and itself Kelsier? Or calling it, well, Spook seems to recognize it as Kelsier. I don't know that it claims to be Kelsier. I would go more down the path of Spook is hallucinating and or going through withdrawals because he doesn't have his tin that he's become so reliant on that mm. he is he is seeing Kelsier when it's not actually. Okay. I I would push back on that though. Whatever's talking to him tells Spook I named you. I do believe that's claiming to be Kelsier, right? Doesn't he say okay. 
I, I, I gave you Spook as a name or something like that. And, um, and I mean, Spook is far from a reliable narrator, but he he recognizes Kelsier's voice before he recognizes Kelsier's image. So right that yeah, that there's an interesting argument to be made for both of those. I'm hesitant, mainly just because of Spook's rather delirious state. But right, all that said, I I'm actually inclined to go down the the path of this is Kelsier. It it does seem at least partially convincing as long as Spook is not seeing and hearing what he wants to see and hear. Sure, and and something deliberately wakes him up. He's he's unconscious at the beginning of the chapter, and he's awoken by Ghost Kelsier. So this would also <laughs> this would also lead credence to why Kelsier is way more prevalent in the series when he dies in book one, which is what you were surprised at, Elliot, um, several yeah. months ago. That you were so confused on why Kelsier was such a fan favorite leading character and then he dies at the end of book one like we have six more Mistborn books to read where's where's Kelsier so I also immediately drew parallels to our mist figure mm. from last book okay we we multiple times we still can't even decide what to name it the the figure that appears in the mist that Vin interacts with a lot Luke no Ellen Ellen interacts with it Yes. On a couple of occasions. I'm not sure that Spook does. Just the way it's described as like a shadowy figure, you know, outlined by the light behind it or, or whatever it is that is kind of described as immediately made me think of our mist figure. And so if this is Kelsier, has it been Kelsier all along? Has it been him taking action in the form of some kind of mist being? No idea how that happens. Yeah, but th those are the questions coming to my mind. But this one, I going back to the end of last book, we begin to question, well, how many of these mist ghosts are yes. around? Because we oh, did yeah. we did a quick head count of, well, hold on, if it's if it's following some basic rules, there appears to be at least two, right? Because it's it's in two places at once. And then this one is specifically inside a house. This one in yep. this chapter. And we know that the mists and the original mist spirit from last book doesn't go inside of buildings. But then at the end of last book there was one at the Well of Ascension. Does the right. does the Well of Ascension have special rules? Plausibly sure. But this one is in house random A. And there appears to be a mist spirit Kelsier in the house with Spook. Directly talking to him, too. I think that's the first time we've seen that. Directly talking to him doesn't seem to be able to maybe interact physically with the objects around because it has to like guide Spook verbally mm. through everything Spook needs to do to escape. But then grants spook the ability to burn pewter yeah and talking about what we talked about last week 
now I'm beginning to wonder, are we manipulating Spook here? Is is the spirit taking credit for something that he didn't actually do? Did, did Spook get pewter from last episode? Oh. And now the spirit is taking credit, giving him pewter. Did he already have it at that point? That's what I I'm see. wondering. Interesting. So I'm putting something together right now, which may be dumb. This may be something that we've already known, and y'all were like, oh, of course, I already knew that. So Spook sees the metal reserve for pewter. Like, like he, he has the pewter, and then he can see that there's a new metal reserve. It's not tin, it's pewter, you know. Right. And he burns it. That is how inquisitors do it right they they have hemology which is the spikes but they still burn ingested metal is that right because i know there's this whole thing of the inquisitors having atm so i'm assuming that they have the physical beat of atm which they have swallowed Uh and then burn and i that kind of just struck me and they talk about that at the beginning of this book because ellen and vin kill an inquisitor and then they talk about needing to like cut open its stomach to see what metals it has in there. And it, yes, the it, and the Inquisitors previously didn't have ATM, but now they did, implying that they found some and are now burning it. Or you could maybe argue that they're now spiked with it, and that's how they're using it. Yeah, because I I had. I had honestly had the assumption, like, like I didn't think much about it. So just like passively, I had had the feeling that you know they can use all these metal powers because they're hemolurged with that kind of spike. You know, not that they're. So it's like, so if the hemolurgy is like you're embedded with a pewter spike, you can now burn pewter, like an alamancer. Right. Then yeah, it could be like like. Like Spook was impaled, and then now can burn. Pe- that that makes sense, because we've never seen an Alamancer just do two. It's either right. zero, one, or all of them. Right. You know, and which is kind of bad news, I think, for a Spook friend, uh, because I read this and I was like, "Wow, he's a one of a kind, gifted by Kelsier himself." But I'm starting to what think if, that this is much more manipulative, you know. Right. I'm Maybe, I'm starting to think that hemolurgy has less to do. Well, it obviously doesn't have something to do, but maybe less to do with the type of metal of the spike itself, mm-hmm. and more to do with the blood involved. That there's a hint to that in one of the epigraphs of like hemo. I think you read it, Trevor, last episode. Hemolurgy is is related to the the blood. And I, I go after this because, again, Ellen and Vin take down an Inquisitor. The Inquisitor only has so many spikes in him. He doesn't have all the medals. Right. He doesn't have ATM. They're looking specifically for what he does have. They list out what he has, and I forget exactly what all is, is in the list, but it's only like four different types that he's got in his in his body. So I think that and like we just talked about he's got metals in his stomach that he's burning in traditional allomancy as we as we know it i then look at what just happened to spook going with this crazy idea that you've come up with trevor he gets stabbed with a sword 
I'm I'm less curious about what metal that sword was and more thinking about the blood of the person that was stabbed through. It was a pewter arm. Right. It was a pewter misting whose blood was spilt in the stabbing of Spook. Right. Could that then have directly led to this pewter ability? Right. Which would then lead back to okay, why is then Ghost Kelsier taking credit for giving right. giving him pewter? Did did he guide the sword or is he just spewing random stuff and saying you should listen to me because I just gave you pewter. Would that also imply yeah. that Spook still has a sword in his chest? And, and those are the questions I'm very stuck with on. I still don't understand exactly how hemallergy works. Right. Does, does this bike have to stay in the, the person to maintain the ability? Does it a one-time thing? Why do Inquisitors still have spikes if they don't have to have them in? Yeah, I, I don't they look cool. I was going <laughs> to say, I my understanding is you have to have the spike for it to be in effect, right? Like, we've never seen anyone exhibit anything hemallergically without having it in them. Maybe Spook will be the first, you know? Um, but it's this is this is so interesting because it's like, okay, so our options are Okay, option one is Kelsey, uh, Spook was stabbed, normal sword, d- inherited zero powers from said sword. He's bleeding out, he's going to die. Kelsey miraculously appears and grants him the ability to, bestows him the ability to burn pewter. Right. Given our entire conversation, I feel like that's the least logical, that makes that doesn't logically make sense, because it's like... If he could just give that power, why doesn't he do it to some other people? Show up, give them some extra, you know. You can now burn copper, you know. That would be pretty helpful. Um, Option two is Kelsier did give Spook the ability to burn pewter, but it wasn't him just having the power to give that, but him guiding the blade to, to hemallergically give Spook that power um, and then claiming it claiming that he did it. Option three is Spook was hemologically given this power to burn pewter, and Kelsier is intentionally trying to like take credit for it for some reason. And all these options seem a bit fishy. You know? Right. Um, I think the middle one is the one I would probably roll with the most of, you know, maybe, maybe Kelsier, that was part of his plan or whatever. He knew that would happen, and so at the end of the day, yeah, Spook gets stabbed, which is really tough, really painful. But now he can burn pewter, and that's uh, very valuable. And he's going to survive because he can burn pewter, and he's going to get to um, have that with him, you know. But the other side's like, one is a little bit fantastical of he can just give the power at will, which is a would be really crazy and the other one being very a weirdly manipulative thing so mm-hmm. kind of interesting i'm curious to see how that that shapes out because uh, also for the record i feel like i'm a little bit in trevor's boat i remember some stuff but like this i'm like man i don't know what happens i don't, I don't remember what what the answer is yeah there, there's another fishy element of this too that is 
making me question things because here's the line that alleged Kelsier says. I didn't give you pewter just so you could live, Spook, Kelsier said, pointing. I gave it to you so you could get revenge. Ooh, yes. Now go. Good line. I I can't decide whether that sounds Kelsier-ish or not. It it, it sounds Kelsier-ish. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yes, I agree with you. It's a little, it's a little suspect. It might be a little like, too Kelsier. Almost, yeah. Like revenge, in a way, is kind of what Kelsier is all about. Is I'm going to take down all the noblemen. Gosh darn it! If you're even related to nobles, I'm killing you on the spot. But revenge was never like really the direct motive for Kelsier if I'm remembering back to book one correctly, it, it was part of the conversation, but to, I gave it to you so you could go get revenge. Now go. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think we get a marsh point of view of Kelsier's main motivation was revenge. And I, I think marsh thinks to himself, he didn't even snap and become a mistborn until mayor died. And then he just wanted to get revenge. And that's why he snapped. But I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if that's true because we've we've had the question posed to us I think in this book by someone in the crew talking to Vin questioning oh it's it's Ellen talking to Vin. Why did Kelsier not snap before the pits? What happened at the pits? Yeah. Why Why the pit specifically did he snap? Because if you remember at the time, he was angry at Mayor for, for betraying him, quote unquote. So that somebody, I think it's Ellen, is almost suspicious of either the pits or Kelsier that something else happened at the pits that we don't know that made him become Mistborn. Taking this a different direction based on last book. If Spook still has either a little bit of a sword or just hasn't noticed a huge sword protruding out of his chest, one of the two, is that the reason why he's here in Kelsier? I mean, people with spikes in them apparently tend to hear things. Back to the Zane conversation from last book, because that was the big reveal right before Zane died. Was he the spike, which we could go back and talk about what power that gave him, but what? Why is why is Spook suddenly hearing voices if not for metal in his chest? And our our examples of people who've been spiked that hear voices are primarily Zane and Marsh, right? And presumably. Both of them are hearing ruin. Okay. So is so then are we going down the path of ruin is pretending to be Kelsier? I don't know if I'm willing to like state that outright, but like that's where that line of thinking takes you. Right. I don't know the answer. Which is why I feel free to say everything I'm saying because I don't remember the answer. So if I'm spoiling the whole book, I apologize. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I, I genuinely don't just remember. say whoops, I forgot. Oopsies. Um 
I feel you, you opened up a can of worms and I, I don't know if I have anything for it, you know? I'm wondering if... I'll be curious to watch and see if Spook retains this power yeah. of Pewter. I'm almost wondering if the, the stabbing of Spook was hemallergy, but maybe, like, the spike didn't stay in him, and so maybe, like, you need the spike to continue to have whatever power you gained from it, and maybe he's going to get, like, a temporary pewter ability due to maybe the blood of that dude that's still on him or in his system or something like that, but then maybe it goes away at some point, and for somehow you need that spike to make it permanent. Maybe something like that. Maybe I'll... There's nothing in the scene that would imply he still has metal in him, right? I don't recall anything. I don't I don't think he does. Or at least it wasn't told to us yet. Yeah, a lot of questions. Anything else on Spook before we talk about Tensoon? Well, we gotta do his flashback, right? Oh yeah. Speaking of hallucinating, um <laughs> while he's unconscious on the floor. We get a whole flashback chapter where Club saves him from his paternal father and mother. Sad scene. This was sad. And we get, um, I don't remember the name, but there's a lot of stuff that we kind of knew about Spook that comes into the picture here. I for <sighs> what, what was his name? Lester Bornes? Was Lest, that Lest Bornes? Lest Bornes? Lestabornis. That's his like actual name, right? Which no, we learn that's, Yeah, that's the oh. name he gives clubs. That's not that's not his actual name. That's the name he gives clubs in this chapter, which means what at the end of the chapter? It's like left left by parents or something I, like I've, that. I've left been at birth. abandoned, yeah. Yeah, it's like left at birth, yeah. So that's that's okay. So I got that mixed up a little bit. But it's a uh, very sad, but what we see that he is at clubs is like that's too hard. You're called Spook. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I think I have to say about this whole Spook flashback scenario. My my brain right now says why Spook? Why is Spook the one that we're focusing on? Yeah. Why is Spook the one getting these flashbacks? But reading it and, and like my my additional thought is. This is so. I, 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 I'm instantly so invested. I'm so engaged. I'm so curious. Not for anything like, ooh, is this going to have some major cosmic implications? Is this going to have some major story implication of, you know, is hidden in Spook's past? Is it the answer to all the questions we have? I'm not worried about that. I am just engaged in his character which i think is really cool and really what i feel like i should be doing as i'm reading through this part i shouldn't be looking at his tragic backstory and being like oh where's the easter egg to ruin in the past or, uh, you know something like that which uh i will say brayden sanderson you've ruined me to where i <laughs> often think that ways now that 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 type line of thinking, uh, even in the midst of a, an emotional story, but um, but but you know, not not too much. And and I just want to say, I think I think this is a really beautiful part. But I'm I'm curious to know what y'all think of like 
is it right that it's spook kind of in this role in this scenario this is just we are in part two now mm-hmm. right yeah well, this is the part two of the book so it's not like oh spook is our point of view character for the book or anything like that um it's just a bit of development and a bit of progression on with his character but i'm curious to know what what do y'all think about it as a whole spook being in this in in this spot i like it i was not expecting it by any means i wasn't expecting more spook pages but i i'm enjoying what we're getting i think they're inter- i think he's interesting and orto is an interesting city to explore so I was confused by it, that's for sure, at first. So I didn't get a 15 years ago tagline at the beginning of the the, the chapter. So I was, spent the full full half of the chapter trying to figure out, is this a hallucination? Is this a dream? Is this real? Are we actually in a flashback? So I'm very curious about this. It does make me feel like if we're getting this kind of time dedicated to spook's character maybe he's going to become more important than perhaps we thought yeah. we've he he has really come into the bigger picture of main characters we're spending some time on what what kind of role is he going to have to play in this in this narrative here yeah that's a good question i mean before we talked about all this last week you threw out the prediction that he was going to be an inquisitor and then uh, we we talked a little bit more that might give that more credence. But before all that, you predicted that he'd be an inquisitor. So, and I I'm holding to that more on like the like thematic lines uh, as opposed to the strictly magical ones. It seems like that's an arc I could see his character going on. Did you predict Marsh being an inquisitor too? I don't recall that. I mean, that was part of the intentional plan, right? Marsh was going to go do that. Well, he was going to, yeah, I mean, kind of. He was going to be a part of the ministry, but I don't know if they yeah, really intended for him to be an inquisitor. Oops. <laughs> Anything else before Tensoon? All right. I don't know if I have too much on Tensoon besides the fact that He's he's been talking with Milan the last couple chapters, and Milan is trying to convince him to not give up or to not accept his fate. I don't know if Tensoon is really viewing it as giving up. He's more saying this is what I deserve, so I'm going to accept it and face it. But Milan is accusing him of you're taking the easy way out. You need to if you if you truly believe what you told the the court. If you really believe the world is ending, you need it is you is your duty to fight. You you need to get out of this cell, do everything you can to fight back against the second generation, get back in the world and help us like if that's what you really believe. At the end of chapter 24, I think um is when he finally gets his the second generation give him his dog bones back, his his wolf bones as like a punishment of you have to wear this for the trial. And the last sentence is they've given me the means of escape or, or something like that. 
Ensoon is a schemer. He he thinks a couple moves ahead. I, I would not want to play chess against Tensoon. First of all, I'm terrible at chess, so most people beat me. But <laughs> Tensoon would crush me. Is he's he's thinking ahead. He he planned that, or at least you know attempted to make that the case where he wanted them to think that the dog bones were humiliating for him, so that they would force him to get them back. But he's got a plan. Maybe it just gives him enough speed that he can run away really fast once he's a dog. I don't know. I'm curious what exactly he's going to do in dog form. But yeah, I don't. He's I, clever. I don't know either. I assumed that would be the case as well, that he can outperform all the true rock bodies that the other Conjure have. I don't know. They keep talking about all these different blessings, like uh, the, the blessing of potency and the blessing of presence and the blessing of there's like at least two others. And they haven't quite explained what those are yet that I saw. Uh, it, I don't have... I don't remember anything about them, so I can't tell you anything. Yeah, I I I don't know if there's anything we know about this other than this is some kind of conjure special thing and then we just I don't know. It, it it's kind of a read and find out, I would guess. Feels like I it. Yeah. I wish I had something to go off of there. I <laughs> I don't remember exactly, and so I, I don't I don't know that there's anything. I will say, actually, never mind. Okay, my thought was I'll, <laughs> I'll explain what I was going to say, and then why why it's not actually relevant. I had this I've had this feeling that there's just a lot of odd powers. I'm gonna try to not get too Cosmere zoomed out, but there's shards, and then there's like the magic system right there's ruin and preservation and then there's like allomancy and and stuff like that and there's also the hero of ages and i still don't fully understand it i think i understand it now the like where does the hero of, my my thought had been for a little while where does the hero of ages fit in is the hero of ages is that just the name of whoever's holding the shard it's like in in story, according to the skull, it's just like the hero of ages. It's a legend, right? There's they're not putting strict rules and a power level to it. Us, the reader, with more context of the greater picture, are assigning that like level of power, right? So for a long time, I thought of the hero of ages as like, is it really like you know does. Is the Hero of Ages just a name for our protagonist, Ven, who saves the Ska from the Lord Ruler? Or is the Hero of Ages the carrier of a shard? You know, um, like, where are we? And some of the stuff with our, like, the Chondra here, and, like, blessings, we've heard the deepness, you know, stuff like that. There's a lot of things that aren't, I don't know what level to put them at, if that makes sense. And so that's that's my only thing is <laughs> I don't know I don't know how serious of a thing we're talking about whenever we're talking about these blessings or different things like that. So that was a that was a very big explanation for something not actually relevant or helpful, but that's where my mind is regarding it. So you're welcome. I will say No, I won't. That one I do remember, so I can't say. <laughs> you tease.
Uh, yep. All right. We do have something to talk about for Stormlight stuff. So, full podcast spoilers for what we've covered. Kelsier is back. Maybe? Kind of. Apparently. <laughs> but but he, is it somebody impersonating Kelsier? But anyway, this is a missing puzzle piece that Elliot's had. Well, he's had the puzzle piece. He hasn't had the entire puzzle around it. So he, you know that spirit something spiked eye Kelsier shows up as the Lord of Scars at the beginning of Stormlight 5. So that with that information, which you're certainly not supposed to have that information reading this chapter, um, (laughs) (laughs) that does lean more towards this is Kelsier and he's back as a cognitive shadow somehow. I mean, yes. The fact that we've seen the Lord of Scars elsewhere at a presumably later date confirmed does yeah, okay confirm later date does d- does maybe lend me to believe a little more readily that this could be Kelsier for sure right in the flesh still have a lot of hesitations even with right. everything we talked about in this episode is 100 percent real i absolutely still have a lot of hesitations for all the reasons we just we just said i'll i'll share some thoughts that you guys probably can't react to. So you can just give me blank stares and just let me talk for a second. And if there's dead space after that will make sense is I'm starting to wonder more and more. Was that reveal of Kelsey, Lord of scars in the prologue of, of book five, like an absolute mind blowing jaw drops to the fore People run around the room screaming like little <laughs> girls moment for Bull Cosmere fans. Like, was that the moment where this epic character of Kelsier who comes back in Mistborn then comes back again later on with spikes through his eyes? Like, I'm starting to maybe get a glimpse at the implications of what we saw that meant very little, almost nothing to me at the time that I could now see maybe this growing into like a did did people fall off their chairs in shock when they read that in that reveal. Paul, do you want to have any input on this before I talk all for a long time? I would say go ahead and take the reins. Okay. So to answer your question, Elliot, yes and no. Two parts to this. Was it a big reveal that Thytokar was the Lord of Scars, the leader of the Ghostbloods? Yes. Was it a big reveal that Kelsier was involved somehow, or Kelsier could be involved somehow? No. Okay. Interesting. Does that answer your question? Kind of. I'll put the pieces together for myself as we read, right? It, right. It's a raffo. We'll, we'll go and I'll get to the end of Mistborn Era 1 or, heck, maybe end of Mistborn Era 2 and then understand you know exactly what that meant for, for Cosmere fans. But right. I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, was that a Sanderson dropped a nuclear bomb on everyone with that? Or was that kind of a 
you could have anticipated it. It was just like you're you're cheering because there's your there's your character you wanted to to show up kind of moment. So I'm just trying to trying to understand the right amount of shock I was supposed to have in that moment that carried no shock for me at the time. Yes, you are correct that you missed out on a big shock that Kelsier appears to be the the leader of the Ghost Bloods. That is a big reveal. That's a huge reveal that we got at the end of Rhythm of War. Didn't mean a thing to you. And I had to spell it out right. with Paul too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the fact that he is running around Shadesmar somewhere, no, that's that's not a big reveal. Got it. All right. Let's do a Stormlight Refresher before we end the episode, gentlemen. This goes to Elliot first, who's leading 2-0. Paul, this is a big week for you. Either you pull it back and you're within one, or you're down 3-0, which is like a big a big gap. So That is true. I would like to say, for the record, I have a, we've a, I am 0-2, which I understand, and that's totally fine. Uh but all of these are really you know, it's not it's it's a landslide in uh, game, matches won, but not in points scored. You know, it's been it's like one point each true, time. It's, true. it's one one close. one point each time, and so really, it just takes another one point the other way and stuff. We'll see. But uh, I understand trivia is not my forte, but we'll see what happens. So I, I'm I'm excited. I'm here for having fun. Even though I'm an extremely competitive person, but I'm not winning, so I'm here to have fun. Yes, <laughs> I'm just looking forward for the day we can actually get one of his "What is this chapter name about?" question because oh, those I have are a hardest, we're not going to yeah. get any of those. Yeah, you ready for one, Elliot? Because I got one for you. Sure, sure. The first question is a chapter name. You have to provide me at least a little bit of context of what happened in the chapter. Crimson. To break. I remember that name. Say it, say it again. Crimson to break. Shoot. If you don't get this, this will be one of the ones where you're going to be very disappointed and go, ah, I knew that. You can think of a couple directions to go with this, but I, I want to say this is the incredibly terrifying down our murders millions of people it's like not millions but that's a lot of people at, I, millions <laughs> holy smokes um it's like at the rift he goes like chasing after somebody and then ends up like brutally murdering a bunch of people that he shouldn't there's like uh we, we talked about there's like a redacted version of the chapter that the publisher was like hey you can't you can't do that you got to tone that down mm-hmm. i don't remember exactly like who or why he was chased it's not the we're, we're full spoilers here right it's yes um, this is under stormlight it, spoiler it, it's not the he kills heavy scene it's the it's like before that it's like the, just before that and he the rock slide scene where he gets yes. caught in a rock slide and then he takes the anger out on, on all the guards around him. Exactly. Incorrect. Bummer. 
Oh, he's your shot. Okay, I have my guess. And, like, I was actually very confident for the record with my guess last week on Monsters. I definitely thought that was the Shalon flashback. So that makes me doubt any guess that I will have off the top of my head. My initial guess, which I'm sure is wrong, but my initial guess was actually the scene where Adolin and... Oh, gosh. Uh... Not Venli, Eshenai. We're actually where Eshenai becomes a fused, I believe it is. Eshenai becomes a fused, and it's like the scene where him, her, and Adolin are like talking, like kind of like they like they've arranged to meet. And originally, it would have been a really good meeting for us, but then she like became fused and was no longer. It was no longer a good meeting she, for she us. She keeps her shard plate on, so you can't see that she's. Yeah. Yes. A little different, yeah. Incorrect. Yes, that's okay. I figured it was wrong, but that's what came to my mind. I had high hopes for you when you started with the word Adolin, though. Uh, this scene, I should have just said Adolin and left it there. <laughs> this scene is the chapter before Elokar's death. This scene is the scene of them assaulting the palace of Kolinar. And High Marshal Azure, who is Vivenna, is leading the charge, and she uses all of her color swear words, and she says those gates are going to be crimson to break, or they're, they're it's going to be it's going to be hell in there is what yeah. she's saying. That is the that's the title of the, the... man. Got it. Nope. Yeah, yeah, I would not have gotten there. But and a couple guesses, I, you know. The intention... as Paul was talking, go ahead. I was I was thinking maybe like a Vasher kind of thing. It seems like almost like a Vasher thing to say, but yep, yeah, wrong. The uh, the the intention of these is to refresh your memories on Stormlight. So okay, you, you now have a couple scenes refreshing your memories of Stormlight. Over to you, Paul, for your quote ID. Has your Spren expressed any reservations? About the work you've given her? Damnation. You're as bad as a colon scribe. Always poking. We need to be cautious. We can't be certain what your spren will do. As her self-awareness grows. She will surely dislike working against the other orders. So I just have to say who said this, right? Who is, who is, who is talking. And there's actually two people talking in this. And I'll accept okay. either one. You're going to hate me, but uh, can you read it one more time? <laughs> Yes. Has your spren expressed any reservations about the work you've given her? Damnation, you're as bad as a colon scribe, always poking. We need to be cautious. We can't be certain what your spren will do as her self-awareness grows. She will surely dislike working against the other orders. I think this is Teravangian talking to his Dustbringer Surgebinder. And I can't remember the name of the Dustbringer Surge Binder off the top of my head, but that's my guess. Malata, and you are correct. Malata, yes. Well done. Let's go. Okay, I thank you for rereading it. I hate to pester, but it really sunk in, you know, the second time. So, Elliot, would you have gotten that? Nope, that was a way better answer than I was going to come up with. All right, time for everyone's favorite segment. Over to you, Elliot. Here is your review review. You need to tell me what they rated it, 
and what the rating. <clears throat> I've been looking forward to this book for a long time. Sometimes, anticipation is better than the thing anticipated. I struggled through the first few chapters and then set the book aside. Maybe I'll try it again another time. Those first few chapters were dull, drowning in names, and written in slapdash impressionist style, where words are thrown around like splatters of paint in the hopes that a masterpiece emerges from the canvas. I usually like Sanderson's writings. The last book of his that I read was Steelheart, which I enjoyed thoroughly. This one, however, I did not finish. Would help if I knew when like Steelheart was published. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. That's a wild card for me. Names. They don't like this is a this is a two out of five. Is a rating. They're, they're clearly frustrated. But seem to like Sanderson, so probably not gonna completely throw him under the bus. The book. Oh, I'm struggling with the book. This is going to go Rhythm of War, but it doesn't quite feel right. That just seems like the, the one more likely to have waited a long time for. Rhythm of War, two out of five. Oh. Okay, can I ask a question that I, I assume I know this is an understood thing. This is the book we've read, right? Or could this be it. anything? Okay, okay. You, you have read it, and it is heavily weighted to Stormlight. I'm not excluding other things, but it, nine times out of ten, I'll give you a Stormlight book. Okay. I think this is a one out of ten. I think they tore it apart enough and didn't finish it. So I think it's a one out of ten. Okay. But man, I've been wrestling with what book it is. Man. So my thought is they've been waiting for it for a long time. So instinctively, I'm going to talk through this since Elliot has already said his predictions. <laughs> um. So hearing that makes me think, okay, it's a later book that they've been waiting for it to come out. I've been excited for it to come out. But if it's all like worried about names, like, oh, too many names now. I feel like you you can't be in the book two, three, or four and be like, oh, now it's too many names. Like it kind of starts off like that pretty quick, you know? So I think this I don't want to say the way of kings, but I kinda wanna say the way of kings. Okay, uh, I think it's either the first or second book of Stormlight. Um, I don't. You're right. If I knew when Steelheart was written, I feel like that would really help me a lot here. I am gonna go ahead and say that it's the Way of Kings. I think they were really excited for the new Sanderson book and got a little overwhelmed, which honestly is kind of fair. One out of one out of five, the Way of Kings. And Elliot, you said two out of five. Rhythm of War? Rhythm of War, yep. Okay. This was a 1 out of 5 for Words of Radiance. They apparently got through the Way of Kings, but set down Words of Radiance? I don't know how that Interesting. happens. Okay, but... <laughs> the, I, I will... Can I, can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. The only thing that I thought about with Words of Radiance was, at the start, you're in, there's all these... Like the crew that Shalon ends up with after the shipwreck. Yeah, that's true. I could kind of give a little credit. I feel like that was a bit of a lot of names with not a lot of payoff. I could kind of get behind it, but man, if they finished that book, they had to. Have, they would have been hooked. Man, 
So that's they probably when didn't it really even get to me. the the shipwreck, which is in like chapter five or something like uh-huh. that. Because yeah. yeah, I like mean the drama happens, like got in Yas Yasna dies da- dies, and then oh man, it's it's. Anyways, that that was the only thing I could think of of it not and, being. And, and one of you the first... read through, you read through the way of kings, and well, then could right. you get through the sort of words and, of radiance. And the, one of the one of the first chapters in words of radiance. You're like sitting down with bridge four, decompressing after book one. So maybe that's boring for them. Um, but I don't know. But you're my thought is you're familiar with the names, right? So that's why with the way of kings. Anyways, all right. That that's that's kind of funny. All right. But... Paul is leading two nil going into the last question, so that means he has one this week. But we'll go with question five. Anyway, I think this is my first trivia win ever in Over... any <laughs> elements we've ever had. On the the three and a half years that we've done this podcast, so I'm feeling very good right now. Over to you, you're, Paul. You're headed for a sweep. Let's see if I can save my dignity <laughs> yeah. with a single point. Nice, <laughs> nice shutout for you. Clean yeah. sheet, as they say in football terms. Here's your trivia. What is Kaladin's third ideal? Who's going first? Paul is going first. It's. It's uh, I, okay. I think it's the. No, wait, that's is that Taft's idol? Or are they the same? <laughs> okay. Okay. I wish this wasn't tripping me up as much as it is. I think his the third ideal, right? Paladin's third ideal. Third ideal. It was the I will protect those I hate. I'm getting it mixed up with Tefts. I'm about to get it mixed up with Tefts. I do the same thing. That's why I put this in here because I miss I miss this one. Te- okay, okay. I'm gonna say Tefts. Okay. So that I can get it out of my head. Okay. I think Tefs is like, I will protect those I hate, even if the one I hate the most is myself. Bingo. I Great idea. That I is, love that one. That is Teft, but that's not Kaladin. Kaladin doesn't have to say that. What does Kaladin have to say? Oh, dang it. How did I remember Tefs and not Kaladin's? Um, it's like, I will protect... Oh my god, I'm probably just wrong. It's like, I will protect... Those I hate. I don't. I don't think I know the full thing. I don't think I can remember the full one. It's like something along those lines. I will protect others, even those that I hate. Elliot, I'll answer. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go different. I might be going too far. I'm trying to remember which numbers are are which of the ideals. I. I think it's the next one, which I'm gonna butcher the the wording on. I don't remember the exact phrasing of it. Always it's along the, the lines. One always the next one. I get it. Not funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm. I'm gonna go. With, it's the one where it's like. I I accept that there are though some I cannot protect. Okay. And I don't remember exactly how that's phrased. All right. But that one. I'm giving neither of you a point. Now let's go through this. What's first? What's the first one? Life before death. Strength yeah. before weakness. Journey before, before destination. That's the first one. The second one, which he says when. When he's protecting Alucard. No. That's his third. The second one, which he says at the end of The Way of Kings, 
I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. I will protect those That's who cannot right. protect themselves. Okay. That is second idea of the Windrunners. Third is where we get more personal. Paul, you are correct. I will protect even those I hate, even if the one I hate most is myself, is Tef's. Paladins protecting Elokar, Paladin's third ideal. I will protect even those I hate, so long as it is right. Okay. So you were almost there, but you, you yeah. missed the... <laughs> Which is funny, because I definitely thought that was when he said the second ideal. Like, I remember that because that's when he gets shard blade, so... Right. But I just had in my mind that that I knew that was the third idea. Anyways, I was all sorts of mixed up. And then, so and then Elliot, fair. you were correct that you went too far with I'll protect or th- I accept, accept, that, I there accept are, that there are that those, are those I that I cannot protect. That is him yeah, accepting the death of Teft of, and Tien at the end of Rhythm. But it was supposed he was supposed to say it when Adolin was dying. Correct. Right? And he couldn't. And he doesn't say it. Yeah. Because he can't say it. Because he refuses to he, accept that Adolin will die, so he's not yeah. ready for his fourth ideal. Yep. Right. Yeah, I missed that. Wow. Alright. Uh two to one towards Elliot, but Paul, that was a that was a pivotal week for you that you pulled one back and you're not you're, right. you're not in the swamps. It did so, well under pressure, so it's just a one one point game now, you know. We will reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul Elliot. Farewell. Absolutely. <laughs>